Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The human spirit. The human spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. The human spirit. But again. Aren't you glad you're a spirit? Amen. Hallelujah. In this scripture, Paul reveals the triunity of man. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord. The word preserved means to guard from loss or injury by keeping the eye on. The word preserved means to guard from loss or injury by keeping the eye on. Paul says, I pray that your spirit be preserved, your soul be preserved, your body be preserved. Matter of fact, the same word is used over there in John chapter 17, when Jesus said, I pray that you keep them from the evil. Keep them, that word keep, same word, preserve, identical in the Greek. In other words, Jesus asked the Father to keep his eyes on us so that we would be preserved, protected, guard, to guard us from evil. Or loss, harm, injury, damage, calamity, whatever way you want to say it. Here, Paul is saying that we need to be preserved, spirit, soul, and body. We need to keep our eyes on our spirit, our soul, and our bodies so that we keep them blameless, faultless. Actually, that word blameless there means faultless. He doesn't want us to have any loss or any injury in spirit, soul, or body. As far as God is concerned, we are faultless, we are blameless. He wants us to stay that way. Here, Paul is saying to us, we have the ability to contact three realms. The spirit realm, the mental realm, and the physical realm. Because we are a triune being, we have access to all three of these realms. Now... We have the ability also to develop in all three realms. Sometimes you see men that are just very muscular. I mean like Mr. World, Mr. Universe, etc. They have developed the human body to such a degree that all their muscles, you see, can be readily seen. Well, we can see that the human body can be developed. But then on the other other hand, you might have some that are not developed, so to speak in their bodies. Then we have some that are very intellectual, very intelligent. Well, they have educated their minds. They have developed in the mental realm. And of course, being a, possessing a soul, we have access to that. But then we have those that are not very intellectual through, you know, for many different reasons, either through lack of study or maybe through some kind of physical handicap. And of course, their minds are not developed. They're not developed. Well, those two realms, it seems as though we emphasize, but the realm of the spirit is underemphasized. Man has the ability to develop his spirit nature just as he can develop muscles and intellect in his body and soul. Well, we have access then to these three realms. Now, it's God's 
will and program for us that we develop our spirit nature, the spirit realm. See, God is a spirit. He's in the spirit realm. Just like in the area of divine healing, we have access to his healing power. If man helps the human body to heal the human body, he does it in this physical realm, in phys physical way, dealing with the physical body. See, but that's not God doing it. That's man doing it, working with the physical body to help promote healing or health. Well, Christian science deals with the mind. If there's any healing in the Christian science world, it's going to be a mental force. They develop the mind in such a way it can actually control the body to a certain degree. There are limitations, of course, because man is also a spirit. And you see, in the spirit realm, there's divine healing. Hallelujah. There is divine health. And that's the area in which we have access to God by our spirits. We will not contact God with our physical bodies. We will not contact Him with our minds, our soul. We will contact Him with our spirits. Divine healing is in the spirit. God is a spirit. We are spirits. We have souls. God's words are spirit, and they are life. Divine healing is, is actually in God's life, in the spirit. It is carried on over through the soul to the mind and then manifest in the body to drive out those diseases. The brother said that those tumors were dissipating. Some have already disappeared and the others are dissipating because the power and glory of God that's in the spirit is carried over through the mind and is affecting the human body and driving out those things. That is divine healing by faith. We have access to that realm. We have access to God in the spirit. If we contact him, though, it's not in the physical realm or the mental. It's got to be in the spiritual realm. Now, in the beginning, Adam, in his high treason, had his spirit separated or estranged from God's spirit. And he no longer had access by his spirit to the Father. And that fellowship he once had with the Father was terminated. He had no way of contacting the Father of spirits in the spirit realm. No way. He couldn't do it. Why? Because God is a spirit, and his spirit is separated from God's spirit. He is alienated from the life of God. Well, that's one part of the problem. But on the other side, there's another part of the problem. He is now joined together with the father of lies. He's joined together with the satanic nature. He has forfeited his right to the heavenly nature, to the divine nature, and now he has come into oneness with the satanic nature, with the evil nature. And so consequently, the process or the program began to work in the human makeup. Out of the human spirit came the forces of darkness. They were carried over through the mind in the soulless realm and began to be made manifest in the physical body until man in his well, the years since he fell, in his makeup, spirit, soul, and body, began to become the expression of Satan in the world. He began to contact Satan, his illegitimate father, and began to manifest his thinking into his mind, out of his spirit, that nature, you know, would flow, and then it would manifest itself finally into the body. The body was the last to be affected. It took some 900 years to actually destroy the human body.
But since that time, man has become highly developed in the satanic nature, and because of it, it don't take but 70 years to destroy the human body. Now you think about that. He had access to the father of evil, and he began to carry that over into his intellectual realm, and then express it out of his physical realm. And what we have is the expression of Satan through the human body, actually through the whole human makeup. It manifests itself in sicknesses and the diseases. Actually, that sickness or disease in the human body is actually the force of darkness manifesting itself in the human body. What an ugly thing. Death. The nature of death manifesting itself, spirit, soul, through to the body. Well, I've got great news for you. If you'll open up in Ephesians, the second chapter. Hallelujah. Man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. In the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, over there in verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead. How many of you were ever dead? I'll tell you what. If you were dead physically, it's good to see you again. But he's not talking about physical death, is he? You. When he says you, who's he talking to? Hallelujah. He's talking to the Spirit. You hath he quickened who were dead. Were dead. We were dead. We were dead. We are spirits. We were dead. See? We were dead. Adam lost access to the Father, which is life, and gained access to Satan, which is death. And we, in Satan, were dead. We were dead. In trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, the spirit, the what? That now worketh in the children, you see, of disobedience. Let's look at verse 3. Among whom we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the and of the body and soul, and whereby spirit, and whereby nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Notice in these first three verses, we have spirit, soul, and body. The nature is the spirit. The lust of the mind, that's the soul. And the lust of the flesh, that's the body. See? Here Paul is saying that at one time we were dead, but we've been made alive. And at one time, that nature, the satanic nature that was in us, caused us to fulfill the desires of the flesh through the mind. But look at verse 18. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. For through Him, we both have access by one, what? 
unto the... Now listen. On the day of Pentecost, we've been told that the dispensation of the Holy Spirit began. The dispensation of the Holy Spirit began on the day of Pentecost. But we've come to know also that it's the dispensation of the recreated human spirit. And when he's talking about one spirit, he's talking about God's spirit and our spirit lost together as one. Now you think about that. Jesus said, I in them and they in me, that we may be made perfect in one. He's in me. I'm in him. The Spirit's in me. And by that Spirit, I have access unto the Father. This is something that Adam lost. He had no access unto the Father. He had no access to the life. He was alienated from the life of God. But now by the Spirit, not by the body, not by the soul, but by the Spirit, one Spirit, we have access unto the life of God. Not the body, not the soul, but by the Spirit. So you see, all the work then was done in the Spirit. And when you read this book of Ephesians, especially chapter 2, it's so beautiful. We've got to emphasize the fact that if we're going to read it and make any sense out of it, I was not dead physically, but I was dead spiritually. Then I've got to read it in the, in the light of the fact that I was a dead spirit. But now I'm a live spirit. I'm a living spirit. And by the life in my spirit, I have access to the throne of God, to the Father God, to fellowship with Him, to commune with Him, to have liberty in Him. His spirit in my spirit. A new spirit will I give you. Okay. So then, through His blood, this, this, this chapter says, by the blood of Jesus, through His blood, by the Holy Spirit, in the regeneration of the human spirit, we have access unto the Father, unto His spirit nature, unto His divine nature, unto His life, so that we can have harmony, fellowship with Him as Jesus had when He walked here on the earth. And it's in the spirit. God is not a mind, nor is He a body. Now, the divine nature, which is the life of God, must be imparted to the human spirit, carried through the human mind, the soul, and manifest in the human body, the flesh, until the life of God, Zoe, swallows us up. I'll say it again. The life of God, the divine nature, in the recreated human spirit, that life of God, that nature of God, is imparted to the human spirit of man, carried through the soul, manifest in the flesh, the body, until this divine nature actually swallows us up. We are swallowed up of Zoe. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But that's the process. The divine nature is imparted to my spirit carried through the soul and manifest in the flesh until we are swallowed up of Zoe, divine nature, divine life. Now, the effect that this has on the entire makeup of man is threefold. Now, I want you to see this. 
when the divine nature is imparted to the human spirit, a recreation takes place. A new birth, a born-again spirit, a recreated human spirit comes into existence. This is the greatest miracle known to the human race. When the, when the divine nature and life of God comes into contact through the Word, by the Holy Spirit, into the human spirit, that spirit is born again. It receives the life and the nature of God in it. When that divine nature is carried through to the mind, the mind becomes restored or renewed. If it's not carried through to the mind, the mind is not renewed, it is not restored. But the life of, in God, of God and the nature of God is in the human spirit. If, and only if, that same life out of the spirit is carried through the mind, then makes its way and manifests itself into the human body, then the body is controlled, bridled, kept under. Controlled, bridled, or kept under. Now, we need to understand that. Actually, then we can define the true meaning of spirituality. The true meaning of spirituality, then, is this. The human spirit, through the divine nature, the life of God, through the renewed mind, controlling the body. The human spirit, through the renewed mind, controlling the body, is our definition of spirituality. I'll say it again. The human spirit, through the renewed mind, controlling the body. So that's spirituality. Spirituality is not just, you know, lifting our hands and praising the Lord, shouting. That's not spirituality. Spirituality is not being used in the gifts of the Spirit. Spirituality is not getting somebody healed. Spirituality is not doing all these things. Spirituality is the human spirit. Of course, with the life and nature of God in it. Through the renewed mind controlling the body. That is a spiritual person. That's a person who is walking in the spirit and by the spirit. Now, if spiritual development does not take place, if it does not occur, now although it's in the spirit, let's say the person is born again. You might be here and you're born again tonight. But if spiritual growth and development does not take place, then carnality will prevail. Carnality will prevail. We'll define carnality as this. The body, the human body, through the unrenewed mind, controlling the human spirit. The human body, through the unrenewed mind, controlling the human spirit. Putting it in bondage. Holding it captive. Not letting it free to have liberty. Carnality is the human body through the unrenewed mind controlling the recreated human spirit. Now, spiritual development is a daily process. 2 Corinthians 4.16 tells us, Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed how often? 
day by day. It is a daily process. It must be renewed day by day, just as the body must be fed day by day. Just as the mind must be refreshed and renewed day by day. Spiritual development, a daily process, renewing the human spirit with God's Word, with God's life, on a daily basis. Not weekly, but daily. If you're going to grow up spiritually, it has to be done daily. If you're going to have success in the spirit, it must be done daily. Now, at the time of the new birth, when God actually imparts his divine nature into us, into our human spirit, and the human spirit is recreated, along with that divine nature comes all the attributes of God. When the human spirit is recreated, and the human spirit has imparted to it God's divine nature, along with that nature comes all the attributes of God. But they are not active. They lie dormant. They lie inactive. They're in there. They're in the human spirit. But they're inoperative. They don't do anything. You can let them lie there and lie there and lie there and never develop them, never express the divine nature through the soul, through the body, if you don't use your faith. See, they lie there in the human spirit, and they have to be activated by faith. That's important to write down. All the attributes of God are along with the divine nature, imparted to the human spirit. They must be activated by faith or they lie dormant, inactive. They're there, but they're inoperative. They're not doing anything. You have the potential to develop them. You have the potential to walk in the fullness of them. But without faith... It cannot be done. As a matter of fact, let's say this is a golden nugget. Write it down as a golden nugget. Hallelujah. A golden nugget. Spiritual development begins in the spirit, begins in the spirit, and is perfected in the spirit by faith. Spiritual development begins in the Spirit and is perfected in the Spirit by faith, not in the flesh by works. I'll say it again. Spiritual development begins in the Spirit. See, that's what the new birth. And is perfected in the Spirit by faith, not in the flesh by works. You're close by Galatians chapter 3. We've got to perfect that life and nature of God that's in us. It has to be perfected in us. And it's done by faith. It is not done by works. You have the ability to contact the healing power of God. But you, in contacting him, can perfect that. 
You can get to a place in God, in the Spirit, where you have perfected contacting healing power. Think about that. Chew on it for a while. I had good success this time, but my other time I didn't have such good success. I had to go back and do some things before I got the answer. But see, you can be perfected in obtaining your physical healing. Did you know that? You can be perfected in all the areas, in manifesting all the forces of the recreated human spirit. But that's where it starts. It starts in the spirit. It's developed by faith. Look at verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The answer is by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the what? That's not the Holy Ghost Spirit. That's the human spirit. You say, why is it capitalized? Well, in the Greek, all letters are capitalized. That's the, the, the discretion of the interpreter, the writer here. He put a capital thinking he was talking about the Holy Spirit. But now notice how we can prove he's talking about the human spirit. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the what? See, he's referring to the spirit as opposed to the flesh. And what he's really saying is, you were born again. You begun to develop spirituality in your life in the spirit. But all of a sudden now, by the works of the flesh, you're perfecting that walk. You go to church. You say your prayers. You do this. You, you, you pay your tithes. You do that. All those are works. They do not promote spiritual development in a believer's life. Those are things we are to do, we are expected to do for the Father. Those are our duties, our responsibilities. But what Paul is talking about is developing and perfecting the human spirit. You began in the spirit, now you're trying to be made perfect by the works of the flesh. Now notice, if this does not occur, spiritual growth, then the body is going to, through the unrenewed mind, keep that spirit captive, hold it in bondage, make the person get disgusted in going to church and doing the things that he has to do as a Christian, as a believer. It's not any fun any longer. It's boring, as a matter of fact. I've had it with going to church. I'm tired of going to church and, blah, blah, and reading my Bible, and et cetera, et cetera. That kind of an individual is an individual having the symptoms of a person who is in carnality and the body, the flesh, the senses through the unrenewed mind is controlling the spirit. The spirit has no liberty. And Paul said, that's happening to you folks because you're not walking by faith. You're not developing that spirit by faith. You're trying to do it by works, by doing things, thinking that's going to constitute spirituality in your life. And as he, you know, Reprove them about what they were doing. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Now stand fast in the liberty where Christ has set you free. The liberty is of the Spirit. See? It's easy to get off in thinking that works are making me a better Christian. And they're not. Those are things that we have to do. They're our obligations. So here we can readily see then that spiritual de de development is by faith. By faith. Now, when he talks about faith, he's talking about the force of the recreated human spirit. 
faith has been imparted to our spirits. As a matter of fact, at the end of that same chapter, he said faith was shut up under the law. But one day faith came. And when faith came, the law was not necessary. It was put aside, set away. And by faith we develop, not by works. Okay. So the individual that gets in the, you know, routine of going to church three times a week and singing the songs and, and praising the Lord and reading his Bible and etc., 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 ends up to be very carnal if he does not take time to develop his recreated human spirit. He cannot contact the Father as he should. The forces that emanate from the recreated human spirit are developed by faith. The nature of the recreated human spirit is love. If those forces are developed by faith, they emanate from the human spirit. And if that nature is love, then two major forces of the recreated human spirit are faith and love. Dislike in the human makeup in the body. There are some things we need more of in our body. A lot of proteins, good, etc. A lot, a lot of things we should be having in our bodies. That will keep our bodies healthy and strong. The things that we should be eating, different vitamins that we get, vitamin D and milk, all the things that you get in your human body. But now in the human spirit, there are some forces that have to constantly be fed into that spirit to develop it. If the nature of that spirit is love, it must be constantly fed love. If, if the force that's used to, to, to draw out, you see, the forces of the spirit is faith, then faith has got to constantly be fed to the human spirit. It's vital that we understand this. The human spirit must constantly be fed love and faith. Love and faith. Love and faith must constantly be fed into the human spirit. They are the two major forces. And faith in. See, faith in. Faith in. Faith in what? Faith in the recreated human spirit. See, that's where all the activity is. In our makeup. It's in our human spirit. That's where God lives. Inside the spirit. So, if faith is vital to spiritual growth and development, let's just take a side journey just for a minute. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, we are told that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The human spirit, is it seen or is it not seen? The human body, is it seen or is it not seen? It's not, it's, the human body is seen, the human spirit is not seen. Alright, now stay with me. That scripture in 2 Corinthians says, Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed how often? Day by day, the inward man. He's talking about the body and the spirit. The body is seen, but the spirit is not seen. The, the human spirit is eternal. So then, by faith, I look at the unseen, my spirit, not the seen. By faith, I go to the Word, I locate the Scriptures that tell me what my human spirit looks like, then I give it a steadfast look, and I maintain that look, I keep hold of that look, I keep looking at what the human spirit looks like to the Word, and then I really see how God has recreated me. I don't look at my flesh, I look at my spirit. 
faith deals with the unseen. While I look not at the things seen, but the things unseen, not seen. They are eternal. Some of those things are, I am the righteousness of God Christ. That's the Spirit. I am holy, without spot, blameless, faultless, before the presence of His glory. I am. I am alive. I am seated together with Christ in the heavenlies. I am the temple of the living God. I am a child of the living God. I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I'm a world overcomer. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am a spirit. I take that word. I'm an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus. Hallelujah. I put that together and I get a figure. See? It's a superman. Hallelujah. Amen. Full of the glory of God. That's what I am. But the eye is not the body. I'm not talking about the body. I'm not talking about what you see here. I'm not talking about what I see there. I'm talking about what I don't see. I see kings and priests under God. Hallelujah. I see some lively stones. I knew you was lively when you came in. A lively bunch of spirits. Hallelujah. See, that's the eye. Those forces are in the recreated human spirit. Righteousness. Holiness. I am faultless. I am blameless. And by faith, I say that that's what I am. I am triumphant. And my life is a continual pageant of triumph. I am sanctified. I am wise. See? The inward man is renewed as I say that day by day. If I don't say that day by day, then the body to the unrenewed mind will hold my Spirit in captivity. You ever seen that song? Set my spirit free that I might worship thee. The Holy Ghost answered back, Stand fast in the liberty where I have set you free. That's right. That's right. Amen. Stand fast in the liberty where I have set you free. I set you free. You are free indeed. But you see, the body through the unrenewed mind is holding your spirit kept in captivity. Don't let it. Start saying who you are. I am righteous. I am holy. I am faultless. I am blameless. My spirit is gaining the ascendancy. See, that's exactly what he wants us to do. So these qualities that we have inside the recreated human spirit, they'll lie dormant if we don't let them loose my faith. And faith is looking at the unseen and agreeing with the Word of God, hallelujah, that it's so. See? Now that's it. When I say I, I'm not talking about the body or the soul. I'm talking about the spirit. All right. Well, let's make a statement. Whichever gets my steadfast look, whichever gets my constant gaze, the spirit or the body will rule. Whichever gets my steadfast look will rule. 
If I am constantly looking at my faults and my failures, if I'm constantly looking at the flesh, the body, the senses, if I'm constantly conscious of my body, then the body will rule and dominate the spirit through the unrenewed mind. If it does, turn with me while I'm saying this to 1 John chapter 3. If it does, if the body, let's for example say that you came to the worship this evening, the service, and you came in with a sense of sin consciousness or guilt or inferiority, or you came in and feeling a little bit low and depressed and down, you came in feeling down and out and that sort of thing, well, I can diagnose your symptoms right off the bat and say to you, you are being body ruled, you are looking at who you are in the flesh, your mind has not been renewed or you've not continually renewed it, keeping it renewed. And so consequently, right now at the moment, your body through the unrenewed mind has got your spirit in captivity. And what that will do is produce sin consciousness. Now write this down because this is important. I want to give you a definition of sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. It's of the recreate it's of the human spirit. Let's put it that way first. It's not of the soul. It's not of the body. Sin consciousness is of the spirit. And we'll define it as such, as this. It's the human spirit letting you know that you are out of fellowship with the Father. It's the conviction that the human spirit is out of fellowship with the Father. Out of fellowship, not out of relationship. Sin consciousness. Some people get some, get the sin consciousness and they don't know what to do with it. Well, see, here's what to do with it. The human spirit will let you know when you're out of fellowship with the Father. Look at the scripture here in 1 John 3.19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. And shall assure our hearts, our what? Our what? Our spirit, right? Before him. Take that scripture again. Let's read it again. And hereby we know. Here, he's going to tell you something you need to know. He's telling me something I need to know. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. He's going to tell you how you know this. And shall assure our spirits. See, if you came in tonight and your spirit was not assured, it can be before you leave. And you'll learn how to keep it that way. You can assure your hearts toward God. And here's what he says. If our heart condemn us, if our spirit is convicting us, of the fact that we are out of fellowship with the Father, God is greater than our heart. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. The Father is greater than the Spirit. The Father of spirits is greater than the human spirit. Hallelujah. That's what he said. God is greater than our heart. Well, you see, the human spirit then, because of sin consciousness, is convicting us And sometimes people don't know what to do with it. But all he's really saying to you is that you are being body ruled. You are being sense ruled. You're carnal. 
your, your, your body is ruling your spirit. Your spirit's in captivity. Let it free. Let it have freedom to worship and fellowship with the Father. That's what it's trying to tell you. And here you're walking around in this, this weight, this pressure of sin, guilt, condemnation. I'll tell you exactly what the effect of sin consciousness will have, you know, in the human makeup. Write it down as that. The effect that, the, that sin consciousness will have in the human makeup. Number one, it will destroy faith. How do you develop the human spirit? By faith. How are those forces that emanate from the human spirit developed? By faith. What will sin consciousness do? Destroy faith. Number one. Number two, it will destroy the initiative of the heart. It'll destroy the initiative of the heart. You ever been there? Seemed like, you know, you just couldn't get it from within. You stood there, you was praising God, you was praising God, but something down here just said, blah. You know what I'm talking about? See? You said, blah, and then you tried something else. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to, and I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to get happy. Boy, I'm going to praise God, but you still had some blah down here. And finally, you, you, you finally come to your senses and you said, who am I fooling? Who in the world am I kidding? I might be worshiping Him with my hands, with my body, with my soul, but I know that my spirit's not worshiping the Father. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. See, but now you know what it is. The spirit, the human spirit is convicting you of the fact that you're out of harmony and fellowship with the Father. And He's telling you that all you need to do is find this scripture that says that it's greater than your spirit and get back into harmony. You're being body rules. So you get back into fellowship with the Father. Now, if this takes place, this sin consciousness, it'll destroy your faith. It'll destroy the initiative of the heart. Of course, you've got to be freed from that to get back into fellowship. But also, you ready for this third one? It'll produce an inferiority complex. Now, this is what happened to you. It'll produce an inferiority complex in the presence of the Father and sickness and disease. Now, share with me if you've ever been here. You had a, the need to pray, but when you got, got right down to it, you said uh, to your wife, Honey, you pray. Or uh, call Brother so-and-so, he'll pray for you. Well, what's the matter with you? Well, I don't want to pray. Now, there's somebody else pray. What's the matter? It produces an inferiority complex. You won't even want to pray for somebody. As a matter of fact, you, you won't even want to pray for yourself. You'll feel, you, you feel that someone else's prayers will work better for you. An inferiority complex to come into the presence of the Father with your petition. An inferiority complex to come into the presence of the devil with his demonic influence over people's lives and waking that power because you feel inferior to it. Sin consciousness will actually destroy faith. It will destroy the initiative of the heart. You won't want to pray. You won't want to be the one to do it. You have somebody else do it. And also, it will produce an inferiority complex. You walk around with that guilt. Now, are you ready for the effect of that? If that takes place, and remember, you're a human spirit. If that does take place, this is what will happen. This will actually build into your spirit, the human spirit. Yes, you're regenerate, recreated, human spirit. It will build into that spirit. Failure. Defeat and weakness. 
weakness, failure, and defeat. It'll build it right into your spirit. Weakness, failure, and defeat. And you'll walk around wanting everybody else to do your praying for you. You'll walk around with your long face. You'll walk around with defeat and no victory. But the thing is, friends, it'll actually build it into the human spirit until the human spirit begins to reproduce it. So now listen. If you are body-ruled, carnal, what will happen? The human body will control the human spirit through the unrenewed mind, produce sin consciousness, destroy your faith, destroy your initiative of the heart, produce an inferiority complex, and build within you weakness, failure, and defeat. And all that's a mouthful right there. Those kind of people usually find up in really bad states of mind, sometimes in, in, in mental institutions, sometimes just running any, anywhere they could possibly go to find somebody to help them. I mean, they're, they're looking everywhere. Somebody, they're going to this church, they're going to that church. Going to, anywhere they can go, reach somebody to help them. They're crying out for help. They're wanting to get God to do something. They're trying to call across the sea. They're trying to call them down from heaven. They're, they're trying to find some way. There's a guy that's anointed. There's a guy that's anointed. I can go to this one. And they go there. And they go here. And they go everywhere they can go to find somebody to get their need met, to help them, to get out of this state, when all the time... In them is the greater one. You don't need to call down God out of heaven. You don't need to look across the sea. The word of righteousness doesn't say that. But what saith it? It saith this. The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that I preach. That if you'll speak it out of your mouth and believe in your heart, bless God, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth he makes a confession, and salvation comes. That's how close God is. Hallelujah. But what happened? Sin consciousness destroyed your faith. Destroyed the initiative of the heart. Produced an inferiority complex. It, build, it builds. I mean, listen. It builds into that spirit. Weakness, failure, and defeat. But then, if the individual is more spirit conscious, in other words, who he is in Christ, if I am more conscious of who I am in Christ, what He has made me, what He has recreated me into, by going through the epistles, finding out all the expressions that says, In Him, in whom, in Him I am the righteousness of God in Christ, in Christ, of whom I have obtained an, an inheritance. I look up all those scriptures that tell me who I am. It produces an image. I see that image as I behold the image, as I by faith look into it, See my spirit, recreated, righteous, holy, blameless, faultless, healed, sanctified, redeemed, wise, wisdom. See, as I, as I say that by faith, speak it by faith, I become more spirit conscious. Then the spirit, through the renewed mind, controls the human body. And of course, then one becomes more righteous conscious. See? Righteous conscious. Not more righteous. You become more righteous conscious. 
Now the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, what's the effect of righteousness? Quietness. And assurance. What is it? Quietness. Look at the next verse. 1 John 3, 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we, what? Boldness or assurance. Confidence, boldness, or assurance toward God. Hallelujah. Not an inferiority complex. The effect of righteousness shall be peace. The work of it. And the effect of it, what's the effect righteousness has on me as a spirit being? Confidence and boldness to enter into the presence of God in any time of need and obtain mercy in my time of need and grace to help. Hallelujah. It's assurance. Confidence. Boldness. I know my need is met. And in verse 19 tells you, that's how you know, you know, you can assure your heart toward God. Well, what is the effect? What will righteousness, consciousness do? It will produce faith. Not destroy it. Hallelujah. It'll give initiative to the Spirit. You want to kick up your heels and dance and jig. Hallelujah. Not in the flesh, not in the Spirit. I mean, you know, it'll manifest in the flesh, but it'll come up from down here. See? That's what it'll do. It'll build faith. It'll produce faith. Build faith. It'll, it'll give you that initiative of the heart. Oh, man, you just, just, to, just to float away. Hallelujah. Go and be to God. You hear the word righteousness, you see? And also, you ready? It'll give you assurance, confidence, and boldness in the presence of the Father. It'll give you assurance, confidence, and boldness in the presence of the devil and his cohorts. Bring him to me. I'll pray for him. Woo, glory. You devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. So you see, if, if the devil can keep you more body conscious, then you will be weak. You'll be a failure. You'll be defeated. Now, the effect of righteousness, righteousness, then, in what it's saying here, producing faith and in the initiative of the heart, and also that boldness and confidence toward God, will build into your recreated human spirit, it will build into it, not failure or weakness, but instead of weakness, it will build strength. Instead of failure, it will build success. And instead of defeat, it'll build victory. Glory be to God. It'll build victory right into it. And it's so easy that you'll blush. It's like sitting down to a table and getting a spoon and saying, Boy, that cereal's good. Tastes good. Cheerios with bananas. Mmm, mmm. Can't wait till I get to my next bowl. Hallelujah. Feels good in the box. Oh, that spinach is just good. Popeye likes it anyhow. Well, that salad is just good. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Well, now think. You ready? You ready for some dessert? Good food. Strength to the spirit. I'm the temple of the living God. I'd like to inform you people that I am the temple of the living God. 
He said, why did you say it twice? My second spoonful. Went right on down. Right into the Spirit. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I have the ability to stand in my Father's presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority. Went right on down to my spirit. Boy, that, that was good. Tasted great. See, you can't see the human spirit. You can't see how it works. But I'm told to believe that that's how it works. By sowing it into my heart. See? And that builds confidence and assurance. And that's how you, we get this you know, operating in a, in a person's life. Now, think about it. Now, let's, let's, let's go on to a, a, an example. Man in his quest to obtain health and healing, to be healed, to obtain a healthy body, he has become more body conscious than spirit conscious. And in his endeavors, he has found certain limitations in the realm of the physical and in the realm of the mental. In the physical realm... He is limited to what medical science, medicines, and vitamins can do to the human body. In the mind, the realm of the mind, the mental realm, he is limited to the powers of the mind. Positive thinking, it's called. And he has found out that he is limited in a sense that he cannot be successful 100% in promoting longevity and physical well-being to the individual. And the reason for this is that Proverbs tells us, verse chapter 18, verse 14, tells us that the spirit of man will sustain an infirmity. The spirit of man will sustain the infirmity, but the, a wounded spirit who can bear. Physical Health and healing, longevity, is not promoted primarily in the physical or the mental realm. But physical well-being is promoted primarily from the human spirit, and out of the human spirit come the forces of life, health, and healing. It's the human spirit contacting the spirit of healing that's in God, his life, carrying it through the soul and depositing it into the body to drive out the disease and then to produce a barrier or a shield to protect from the disease from the inward man to the outward man to promote longevity and health. And if the body of Christ only knew this today, that... Romans 8, 11 tells us God's primary way of healing our bodies is if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken or give life, health, healing to your mortal body by His Spirit that dwelleth where? In your spirit. In your spirit. See? That's what He's saying to us. So if... We can learn how to contact that Father of Spirits if we would only realize that the Word that's nigh me in my mouth and heart is life. It's God's Word. It's God's life. It carries with it health and healing. If I would only understand how to get it out of my spirit 
where God is living in, and carry it through my soul and let it touch my body, manifest itself in my body, then I'll be healed in my body. And I'll be protected from sicknesses and diseases that try to contaminate the human body. But an individual that doesn't understand that will be one that's always seeking some other manifestation of physical healing. And when they go to somebody who is anointed of God, of God by God, with the gift of healing, then when that individual lays his or her hand on the individual's body, then the same power that's inside the human spirit, the same power that's inside the individual's human spirit, will be made manifest from the spirit to the soul and body of the individual that's anointed with that power, and it will, from the outward man, affect the human body and heal it. It came from here, went into there, and healed that body. But, as our brother did, when you tell somebody, with the stripes you are healed, you were healed, then the healing power of God, which is God's primary way of healing us, from the inner man is activated. The forces that emanate are activated, and they come out, and they go through the soul and into the body, and cause our bodies to just ooze out and pour out the life of God until the diseases and the germs die when they touch our physical bodies. Now, that's how it works. Now, I'm going to share something with you. I've only got a few minutes, and I want to get this very quickly. 1 Timothy 4, chapter 3. I'm sorry. Verse 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. Now, please don't be offended in any way. Because when you're growing up in spiritually, I think you can get, you can get in so many bondages. A lot of people in the body of Christ, and if you're there, please, like I said, don't be offended, are bound up in the area of what they can eat and what they can't eat. And they are so involved in promoting health from the physical standpoint that they are missing out on the spirit. Actually, there's a Bible out to help you promote health and healing. In the physical realm. What is it called? Some, some kind of Bible. But that's what it's called. To promote health and healing. From the physical standpoint. I have found out and discovered that you can spend your entire life in studying the human anatomy. Medical science does it. And I eat, if I don't eat, I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat that. I should eat this. I should eat that. And they're so bound up by what they should and what they should not eat that they get... They get themselves held in bondage. But let me finish. Look at verse 3. In the latter time, the Spirit speaketh expressly. Verse 3. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats. In the Greek, the word there is certain foods. Commanding them to abstain from certain foods, which God hath created to receive with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Recently, Brother Hagin was teaching in his uh, Holy Spirit seminar. And in his teachings, he was bringing out fasting and pray. And he was talking about this area right here where some people have come to him that were fanatical about what they should and should not eat. They said, Brother Hagin, you shouldn't be eating white flour. Brother Hagin, you shouldn't be eating sugar. You shouldn't be eating cakes and pies and ice creams and desserts. They'll kill you. They're bad for the human makeup. They're bad for the body. 
And Brother Hagin stopped for a moment and says, well, come to think of it, they're all dead now. That total. They're all dead. And he says, they were so bound up by what they could and what they could not eat, it killed them. Well, think about it. They're dead. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going strong. I haven't, had a sick, I haven't had a headache since 1933. He said, and I enjoy desserts and foods. He enjoys those things. Of course, in moderation. See, there's a ditch to the one side, there's a ditch to the other side. And if you think you're going to promote your, spiritual, your physical well-being just from the outward appearance, just from the flesh, you're going to get bound up. You're going to actually stop the forces of the recreated human spirit. And I'm going to give you an example. One individual that had sugar diabetes was traveling with him. And this individual, of course, with, sugar, with high sugar count, he couldn't, he, had, he was on insulin. He was not allowed to have anything that would, you know, cause it to be higher. It could kill him. And when he got into the car, when he got with Brother Hagin, he said, uh, he says, I have to take my insulin so many times and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Brother Hagin says, forget it. You can put it away. As long as you're with me in my presence, you can eat anything you want. And if you eat anything you want, I'll pray over it. When I pray, it'll be sanctified with thanksgiving, with the Word of God, and prayer. And you can eat anything you want. Cakes, desserts, ice cream, whatever you want. The guy looked at him and said, what? I haven't eaten these things in years. He said, that's what you can do. Sure enough, he started having these desserts with his meals. Checked his count every day. Not, not any, nothing at all. Didn't have to take his insulin the whole time he was with him. At all. Not even touch it, not even take it. But he ate more. He was having a ball. He was making up for the last five years that he wasn't getting any of that stuff. And so he started having a ball. And he said it was so powerful, that faith was so powerful, that not only while he was with him could he eat sweets, but also two weeks after he left. It didn't bother him. But then after, he didn't have his own faith. See, he was living off somebody else's faith. Then he had to go back on his insulin. And it started over again. It took the man a few years to finally get off the insulin. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.